my name is Brian, and uh, I am the music director at GCF North. It is my privilege to be here this morning, and I have to say I feel especially short today because this pulpit is especially tall. <laughs> I'm like, wow, once I got up here, I was like, okay, this can be fun. <clears throat> this morning, I'm going to be preaching out of Psalm 25, and so if you have your Bibles, your Bible app, I invite you to open that, and if you're able, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Psalm 25 of David. To you, O Lord, I lift my soul, and O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. O oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O oh God, out of all his troubles. This is the word of the Lord. And join me in prayer one more time. <clears throat> Father in heaven, thank you so much that we get to gather in your name. Lord, to hear your word, I pray that this morning as, as I share, Lord God, that this would be a time where your word is heard clearly. Um, would you use me as a vessel? Lord, would you use your word as it's intended to instruct us and lead us in the way in which we should go? Holy Spirit, this is your time. Use it as you see fit. Help us to be more like you, to walk in step with the Spirit. And thank you that we, again, get to do this. This is not a have to, but in Christ we get to do this, and I'm thankful for that. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together would be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in a small town, there resided a young man named Luke, who dedicated most of his days to working on the family farm. But beneath his unassuming exterior, Luke had a remarkable secret. You see, Luke possessed an extraordinary power known as the Force. 
Poe spent his days working in his father's noodle shop, all the while harboring aspirations to be a kung fu legend. When a menacing snow leopard threatens his homeland, fate selects Poe as the one chosen to defend everyone from this impending doom. But there's one small hitch. Poe, who is a clumsy panda, knows nothing about kung fu. Frodo's life was tranquil and uneventful, living with his uncle and engaging in daily routines that had become mostly ritualistic, until one day an unexpected knock on the door changed everything and propelled him into an epic adventure to save Middle-earth from the evil entity known as Sauron. Now, what do these three have in common? When you think about these characters and their stories, there's a lot that can come up, right? There's a lot of things you can kind of look at and go, oh, yeah, yeah, this, this, and this. But I would contend and I would argue that the most significant common denominator between Luke, Poe, and Frodo is their reliance on a teacher and their teachings. Luke Skywalker needed the guidance of Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda to understand and harness the power of the Force enabling him to resist the temptations of the dark side and become the pivotal figure in the fight against the Galactic Empire. Poe the Panda found his path to becoming a Kung Fu legend with the guidance of Master Shifu and the Furious Five, who trained him in the ways of Kung Fu, allowing him to confront and eventually defeat the menacing snow leopard, saving his homeland. And Frodo Baggins had the wise wizard Gandalf by his side, who served as his teacher throughout his perilous journey to destroy the Ring of Power. Gandalf's wisdom and guidance were crucial for Frodo to navigate the challenges and resist the Ring's corruptive influence. You see, the teacher and their teachings are pivotal elements in each of these epic tales. As they play a crucial role in shaping the characters' destinies and preparing them to confront the challenges that they would face. And in the same way, as Christians, our spiritual growth requires a teacher and a teaching. And this brings us to Psalm 25. Psalm 25 is a contemplative prayer by David, and its aim is to impart valuable instruction about the essence of spiritual development. This morning, I will emphasize two key aspects the significance of having a teacher and his teaching for fostering spiritual growth. So I have two main points this morning, and they're simply this. Spiritual growth requires a teacher, and spiritual growth requires a teaching. Again, my two main points. Spiritual growth requires a teacher, and spiritual growth requires a teaching. The first main point, spiritual growth requires a teacher. Well, who is the teacher? Surprise, surprise, Yahweh. Look with me at verses one and two. To you, O Lord, all caps, meaning Yahweh, God's personal name. To you, O Lord, I lift my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Again, while this point may be painfully obvious, it remains crucial to emphasize the significance of laying a strong foundation 
when we establish the right footings, the constructions of our belief and our actions proceed in harmony. The psalmist David sets a profound example by placing his unwavering trust in, Dave, uh, in God. He's diverging from those who rely on deceptive alternatives. In essence, David seeks Yahweh as his ultimate teacher, forsaking false gods and refraining from placing excessive confidence in his personal understanding or encounters. And this unwavering reliance on God's wisdom and guidance becomes the bedrock upon true spiritual growth is built. And then from there, he goes on to say in verses 4 and 5, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. In the book of 1 Samuel, chapters 7 and 8, we see how God's people drifted from their devotion, desiring to be more like the surrounding culture rather than follow God and remain dedicated to him. Throughout the years, Samuel, who was a prophet of God, fulfilled his prophetic duties by traveling around across the land and acting as a judge for Israel, earnestly calling the people to put away their false gods and direct your hearts to the Lord and serve him only. And there were moments where Israel would do this, but over time they deviated from their pursuit of learning from Yahweh, their divine teacher. Instead, they started to follow the prevailing culture's false prophets. And this marked a crucial turning point for the people of God as they shifted away from having God as their king and expressed their desire for a human king, mirroring the practices of the surrounding nations. This departure from seeking guidance and leadership directly from the Almighty reflected their inclination to conform to worldly norms. And that raises a question for us this morning. In what ways do you and I resist Yahweh as our teacher? In what ways do we resist Yahweh as our teacher? The concept of God portraying himself as teacher holds deep significance, spanning the entire scope of scripture from Genesis through Christ into eternity. The fact that God graciously gives us his spirit for the purpose of teaching. It implies that when we go astray and we sin against God, we're not simply sinning against him, but we are seeking after other teachers and other teachings. Think about your last week and how many times did you use Google or Siri to find information, right? I mean, this is like, I use it all the time for directions, right? We use it for like movie reviews, converting ounces to cups. Like how much is, wow, how do I do that? What's that look like? In fact, we're on our way to Coeur d'Alene and we're almost to our destination and my daughter goes, wait a second, how do you know where you're going? You're not using Google Maps. <laughs> I was like, all right, she's, she's observing. <coughs> but the thing is more and more people are using search engines like this and they're relying on it for profound matters about life and ethics and religion. Among the most searched topics 
you will find, how do I pray? How do I meditate? What's the meaning of life? What happens when you die? Why should I believe in God? As Christians, Psalm 25 encourages us to prioritize seeking God and the wisdom that he provides through his word above all else. It serves as a reminder that the foundation of authentic wisdom and spiritual growth rests upon trusting in Yahweh as our ultimate teacher. Now, Psalm 25 not only identifies the teacher, but also provides insight into the characteristics of the teacher. Look with me at verses 6 through 8. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. David's prayer emphasizes that God's character has always been and will forever remain merciful and loving. Verses 7 and 8, David praises God for his goodness, acknowledging God's willingness. I mean, this is crazy. God's willingness to instruct sinners in the righteous path. A holy God willing to instruct and teach. Furthermore, he asserts that God's character has remained steadfast and reliable since ancient times, and it will continue to be trustworthy <clears throat> until the future when he makes all things new. This divine consistency invites us to place our faith in God's guidance, knowing that his teachings are rooted in unchanging love and goodness, providing us with unwavering direction in our journey of spiritual growth. Consider Joseph's story in the book of Genesis. After Joseph's brothers betray him, selling him into slavery, he ended up in Egypt, where he was purchased by Potiphar, an esteemed official serving Pharaoh. Over time, Joseph's integrity and dedication won him favor in Potiphar's eyes, leading to his promotion as overseer of Potiphar's household. And blessed by God's constant presence, Joseph's stewardship contributed to the prosperity of Potiphar's household. However, an unforeseen trial awaited him when Potiphar's wife, drawn to Joseph, made inappropriate advances and urged him to sleep with her. But true to his principles, Joseph firmly declined. But this rejection leads to her falsely accusing him of rape. And Potiphar, enraged by his wife's claims, throws Joseph into prison. The story doesn't end there, though. While in captivity, God remained faithful to Joseph. Within the prison walls, Joseph earned the favor of the warden and was eventually placed in charge of all the inmates and all the prison affairs. And then remarkably, Joseph was eventually reinstated into a position of great authority and not only overseeing an official's household, but ascending to rule over all the land of Egypt. Joseph's story serves as a powerful reminder 
that the same loving and good teacher who was with Joseph, never abandoned him, is present in our lives. God's faithfulness knows no bounds, and we can trust that he will never forget or forsake us as we encounter our own challenges and uncertainties. We can take comfort in the assurance that God's steadfast love will sustain us, and it will lead us towards a purposeful path that is blessed even if the path is full of hardships. I don't know how many of you have experienced a hardship, but there's been a few in my life, and it can be very hard to trust that the God of the universe, is, is he really with me? Is he really with me in this time? Does the teacher really care? But we can trust that he is, and he, and he loves us, and he will remain faithful. Spiritual growth requires a teacher. And so far, we've answered the questions, who is the teacher and what is he like? <clears throat> In addition, the psalm has us asking the question, well, who are the teacher's students and what are they like? Well, look with me at verses 2 through 5. Oh, my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame and let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. So who are the students? Well, verses 2 and 3 tell us all who trust in the Lord. And what are the students like? Verses 4 and 5 tell us they are open to instruction. In addition, the students fear the Lord. Look with me at verses 12 through 14. It says this, Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant. Like David, the teacher's students possess a profound eagerness to learn from God, nurturing a strong desire to deepen their relationship with him through the wisdom found in his word. In addition, they also have a healthy reverence and fear of the Lord. Recognizing their place before the Almighty, they approach their studies with a sense of awe, seeking to understand and align themselves to his ways with humility. Growing up, I had a buddy named Jake, and Jake was exceptionally smart, super, super bright guy. He was the kind of guy that would show up on the day of a test, skim through the material, and then go in and ace the test. And he would be able to retain it. It was like, that's incredible. But entering our junior year of high school, Jake started to skip more and more classes because he started to believe that, well, he's, I'm just smarter than the teachers. So he just kept skipping class and skipping class. And then when we got to our senior year, reality hit Jake pretty hard when he realized he lacked the necessary credits to graduate. Jake's arrogance led to this predicament. As he wrongly believed that he didn't need the teacher and their teachings, 
that he knew all he needed to to progress past high school. In the same way, many Christians fall into the trap of thinking that they don't need the teacher in his teachings anymore, that a mere half-hour sermon each week is enough for their spiritual growth. But we need to recognize that genuine spiritual growth demands continuous, regular, daily, ongoing education with the teacher. Now, as I say that, I'm sure there are some of you here that are thinking, okay, Brian, like, I don't have the time to become a biblical scholar. Like, it is difficult for me to get in God's word every day. If you're feeling that this morning, as I'm sharing this, and, and you're, that's the feeling you have, I just, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that you are not alone. You're not alone. What I'm suggesting that among your busy routines, where can you set aside time to spend time with the teacher learning his teachings? Right now, that might be a season where that's maybe 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. Don't forsake that time because it's not an hour. Because it's not what you imagine somebody else's devotional life is like. Well, it's not like that, so take advantage of the time God gives you. Because the reality is this. For many of us, it's not the fact that we lack time, it's we lack desire. So God, help us. As we get into God's word and we spend time with him, pray, Lord, would you help me to desire to be with you? Would you grow within me a hunger and thirst for your righteousness, to be with you, to learn from you? God, would you multiply that time? Would it not be enough? And God will honor that. God will honor that prayer. This brings us to our second main point. So first, we looked at spiritual growth requires a teacher asking the questions, who is the teacher and what is he like? Furthermore, who are the teacher's students and what are they like? And now for the second main point, we'll look at spiritual growth requires a teaching. What is the teaching? And the answer, his ways, which we have seen throughout this whole psalm, starting in verse 4, which says this, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Verses 8 and 9, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his ways. Verse 12, who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. See, David uses a range of verbs like show, make known, teach, lead, and instruct to emphasize his profound desire to seek God's wisdom and direction, highlighting how they intertwine to shape our spiritual growth. The interplay of instruction and guidance in this psalm offers insight into the dynamics of spiritual growth with Yahweh's divine wisdom being the guiding light for all his faithful followers. But what is the main purpose of the teaching? What is, what is, the, what is it leading us towards? And the answer, 
It's leading us towards the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look with me at verses 16 through 18. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Verse 18 is a central verse in this psalm because it captures David's deep anguish and yearning for a savior. David's heartache goes beyond seeking guidance uh, only from past events. It extends to a hopeful and redemptive future where God's boundless forgiveness for all sin becomes possible through the provision of a savior. Look also with me at verses 20 through 22. O guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. These verses go on to reveal David's heartfelt plea for God's protection and deliverance. He seeks refuge in God, praying for integrity and uprightness to be his shield. And in his humble waiting, he anticipates God's redemptive work, and not only for himself, but for all of God's people. David's longing for a savior echoes throughout these verses, expressing a deep desire for God's merciful intervention to free his people from their troubles. In these verses, we see David's faith in God's promise of salvation pointing towards the ultimate fulfillment found in Christ, the Savior of all. After the resurrection, Jesus encountered two men on their way to Emmaus. And Jesus inquires about their conversation and unaware that it's Jesus they're talking to, they express their astonishment that he hasn't heard about the crucifixion and the events surrounding it. You see, these men had hoped that Jesus of Nazareth would be the one to redeem Israel from all their troubles. But their hopes were shattered by his death. However, Jesus, the master teacher incarnate, unveils the profound truth that he himself is the fulfillment of all that the Old Testament scriptures had been teaching. In Luke chapter 24, verse 27, it says this, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The entire teaching of the Old Testament was leading to one significant moment, the cross of Christ, where he would redeem not only Israel, but everyone who would call on the name of the Lord, who would believe, who would hope, who would find their strength in him. In the former Soviet Union, Dmitri was thrown into prison for leading a small house church leaving his wife and three boys without a husband and without a father. Dmitri was the only Christian among 1,500 inmates, and he was told that if he simply signed a document denouncing his faith, 
they would let him go. But for 17 years, Dimitri refused to denounce his faith. During his time in prison, each morning at daybreak, Dimitri would assume a stance of reverence by his bed, lifting his arms, and then would proceed to sing hymns to Jesus. The clanging of metal cups against the iron bars reverberated in angry protest from the other inmates as they hurled insults and profanities and mocking laughter at him. They would throw food and garbage and sometimes even human waste to try and silence him every morning for 17 years. Furthermore, when Dimitri found a scrap of paper, he would sneak it back to his cell. He would retrieve a writing utensil he had saved, and then he would write down all the Bible verses, stories, and songs that he could remember. And once filled, he would stick that scrap of paper on a damp pillar within his cell as a praise offering to Jesus. Whenever one of the guards spotted the piece of paper, they would come in, take it down, they would beat Dimitri severely and threaten him with death. Yet every day, Dimitri rose at dawn to sing his songs, and every time he found a piece of paper, he would, he would fill it with scripture and praise. One day, he was overwhelmed by the special gift by God's hand as he found a whole sheet of paper with a pencil beside it. So he took that, rushed back to his cell, and started writing down every Bible verse, every song, every story that he could recall. And retelling this story, Dimitri said, I knew this was probably foolish, but I couldn't help myself. I filled both sides of the paper with as much of the Bible as I could. I reached up and stuck the entire sheet of paper on the wet concrete pillar. Then I stood and looked at it. To me, it seemed like the greatest offering I could give Jesus for my prison cell. Of course, one of the guards saw the paper, but this time it wasn't enough to simply beat him. They dragged Dimitri out of his cell to execute him. As, as they dragged him down the corridor in the center of the prison, the strangest thing happened. Before they reached the door leading to the courtyard, 1,500 hardened criminals stood at attention by their beds, raised their arms, and began to sing the hymns they had heard Dimitri sing all those years. In fear, the guards let go of Dimitri, and they jumped back. And they said to him, who are you? Dimitri straightened his back, stood as tall and as proud as he could. And he responded, I am a son of the living God. And his name is Jesus. Confronted by this unrelenting persecution, how did Dimitri do that? How did Dimitri uphold an unshakable faith? Well, according to Dimitri's own account, he was able to maintain that faith over 17 years of imprisonment because of the two spiritual practices that he had of waking up every morning, singing to Jesus, and every time he had an opportunity, writing down God's word. And Dimitri learned this. He was taught this 
by his father growing up. You see, growing up, his father told him every morning, get up and praise Jesus. His father had him write down scripture because it, was, it made it easier to remember scripture. And Dimitri said, if it wasn't for these teachings that were embedded in him as a boy, that he would not have been able to maintain his faith and endure. Brothers and sisters, for our faith to endure, we need to know the teacher and his teachings. We need to embrace the teacher and his teachings. We need to follow the teacher and his teachings. Let's pray.